Welcome, everyone. Thanks for listening to Sports Doc Talk. I'm Will Sanchez. I'm here along with Dr. Grant Garcia, our orthopedic sports and medicine specialist, grantgarciamd.com. Listen, we're really excited that you're with us. And if you, wherever you found us, we really appreciate. But we're on Spotify, we're on Apple, we're on Amazon, we're on YouTube, we're on Instagram. We're everywhere that you can think of. So please tell your friends, look for us anywhere. We're talking about innovations, napkin to reality. What does that mean? Well, we have Dr. Garcia here to talk about that. Dr. Garcia, how are you? And tell me why you're excited to talk about this show. So I'm first off, I'm great. Everything's going well, you know, trying to keep busy. uh, But, you know, this is always a really exciting part of my week to month, you know, is getting ready for a show like this, uh, because I think that this is where we really get to have a lot of fun. You know, I have fun at work, but this is something where it's a different, a different animal. We really get to give the audience a different perspective outside of just the medicine perspective. Uh, And I'm really excited about this. And this has been something I talked to you about for a while and i've been excited for this last month getting ready for this show um because i think that i think that people see all these fancy products and there's a lot of new ones that we're seeing on the internet and social media and it's hard to understand exactly how that process works you know for me i've been involved in it in a while for a while and i'm you know trying to work on always having sort of cutting edge technology in my sports practice but that doesn't come naturally and that doesn't come you know for everybody and also for as a medical student as a resident even at that level, we really didn't see that much of it. And so not that, that we weren't exo- uh, we weren't a part of it, but you, as a, you're not until you're a full surgeon that you're really involved in more of these projects. Uh, so it's, it's in a non, and for a non-medical person, it's a, it's very unknown process unless you're actually involved in sort of the investment process, et cetera. So, you know, it's been, it's, we're really excited to tell everybody about it and at least give them a little brief overview and not sort of overdo it, but at least to teach you, you know, what, what levels they have and what different innovations and how it works. You know, it's amazing when we think about all the different innovations and obviously um, you do what you do and I do what I do and it's very, very different. And just thinking about some of the things that not only yourself, but in the medical field and I think about innovations, like I can't imagine what it was like to not have an x-ray machine or an MRI machine, but for someone like yourself that does this day in and day out, you know, what is that orthopedic invention that you cannot imagine not having access to something that you use maybe on the norm or your go-to that you say man if if we didn't have this technology if this innovation wasn't in place i have no idea where i would be well it's sort of a loaded question for a sports surgeon but i would say arthroscopy i mean i to you know even today i did five arthroscopies so using scopes using these minimally invasive techniques and that major broad technique of arthroscopy has allowed me to continue to advance my techniques, always finding ways, can we make the incision a little smaller? Can we make it less invasive? Can we make it so patients recover faster? And so without the ability to have these high optic lenses, you know, I have 4K TVs in my OR and I'm able to see things at such high definition um, that gives me such an advantage uh, to helping people get better. 
Uh, so I, I can't imagine. I mean, I wouldn't even have a job if they didn't have arthroscopy. So it's, <laughs> it, it's a very, I love the invention. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you would have a job. It just thinks it'd be a, a lot more difficult. Now, uh, just yes. explain a little bit more where arthroscopy is. I know just because I've been hanging out with you for a minute now that arthro has to means joint, right? And then, uh, yes. you know, Scott, you know, scopy, you know, you kind of, you know, figure out what that kind of means, but just kind of break that, break it down for listeners that really don't know what that procedure means and exactly what that innovation is. Well, I'll try to do it the best I can since I had to describe this to a room full of first graders with my daughter. Um, so basically, uh, you have a camera and there is a lens on it. So it's just <laughs> like it, any I other camera. <laughs> but it's but it's very small. So it's like two or three millimeters. And then you place that inside of someone's knee or, or shoulder or any other joint and then that camera is magnified and there's different angles of lenses that you use. Um, and then on the others, and then there's fluid that goes through there. So you need to have fluid to keep the, the knee inflated so you can see what's going on. And then the other different portals or poke holes, you'll have an instrument where you can actually do work. So initially you can just look and then you can actually do work. See, now you've explained it. So I can understand. So obviously, I know what class I belong in. Hopefully, you're there with your daughter, and they could teach me a few things. So that is a perfect way to describe what's going on. Um, you know, when when you talk about innovation and um, this napkin to reality, you know, in business, there's this you know seven steps, right? You know, seven seven steps, the business yeah. model. You know, uh, MIT talks about it. MIT Sloan talks about these business steps, um, and you know, what before we get into those steps, I know as a patient, as a customer, when it comes to innovation, I want to have a few things, right? I want you to take care of my pain, right? I want to recover faster. And I want to have some normality. So before we get into everything, as a doctor, as you think about innovation and what you do, do those three things align with your thought process in trying to make the customer, the patient feel better? Yes, but it's it's also different because it aligns it aligns exactly with what you want, but the way you think about it is different than the way I think about it, right? Yeah. The way I can cause less pain or make this less painful procedure or fix the pain is by having a more efficient procedure, by having better implants, by having stronger repairs so you can start moving faster. Those things you're not thinking about. And so I'm thinking about those things. Or I do a procedure and this procedure takes me an hour and I know, listen, oh, I can do this in 40 minutes and be more efficient if I have this newer thing. And that's the way things have happened in my OR even over the last four years. Yeah. I've, we found more efficient ways of doing things and also found ways to fix things we couldn't fix before. And so we've talked about this before. A lot of people don't even understand what the next innovation is going to be. And even as an orthopedic surgeon, we're having to constantly be updated to understand what the next thing is going to be. So we don't even to be, I think you've heard that we've heard this before in other areas. You don't really know what you're going to get or what you want until we tell you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. Because it's it's the innovation is it's like we don't understand the computing power that we're going to have in ten years because we it's so beyond us at this point. So when you have a problem and you figure out a solution, right? And I'm pretty sure, and I'm jumping steps here. Um, taking that full idea, what's the next step for you once you have that idea, or for anyone in your field that has um, an innovation that they want to proceed with? So I will try to be as 
brief in summarizing this, but I think this is a great segue. Um, so we could talk about, for instance, an example is the bear implant. There's been a lot of media about this uh, online about the implant. That basically, it's this it's this thing that you basically put next to the ACL that's been torn, and it helps it heal. Um, and it's very innovative and a relatively new thing for FDA approval. So what happens is, and this is what happened for them, it took a long time. It took almost 10 years for this process to go along. Wow. And there's different ways to have it accelerated. But this is sort of the general process of a big idea that's completely innovative and new. So basically, a surgeon or a group of people come up with an idea, and then they start having people involved. And usually it involves a whole lot of people, surgeons, engineers, designers, et cetera. And you have to obviously find ways of getting funding for this. And that's sort of the design phase. And then you've got to sort of find someone to help you make this, right? And so there's certain companies that are really innovative and already have all these people pre-hired. Mm -hmm. It does take some of the you know, clout from your own individual idea if you do that, but it's also a lot easier to get it done. It's just like anything else we have in industry. Um, once you get this prototype, then that's when you start talking about FDA approval, and that can be pretty long and lengthy, but that's the thing you need to do if you have something that's completely brand new and innovative. Once the approval is done, then you start talking about securing funding. This is where venture capitalists come in and sort of trying to get, they're going to take on sort of newer technology that may be a little bit more um, less known or maybe have a little bit higher risk. And then once you start proving this thing, then you can start doing the manufacturing process. So once you have the money, you start doing the manufacturing process. And in this this case is usually when companies will pick it up. So, you know, um, like high orthopedics bought out a bear when they found out that it was, it had passed all these steps. And yeah. then that's when they started to chip in. And then once that happened, they hit the ground running because then they had the, they had all the, they had all the things lined up. They found surgeons to help them promote this, who thought it was a good product. And it's a great, it's an excellent option, especially with the data out there. Um, they found, you know, they're continuing to monitor their stuff. Like I'm part of the process now. We're all together trying to monitor how well patients are doing with the bare implant because we have, you know, only limited clinical trial data. Um, and then the next level is to start to do the teaching, right? Because a lot of surgeons who have never repaired an ACL, they're scared. They're, I told you before on this ACL repair data, it, it used to be not as good. And now we have all this new technology. So you have to teach these surgeons that don't want to, are worried from their previous experience because as surgeons, we never want to do a surgery that's not going to work, right? We don't want to do something that's going to be do worse for the patients than they were beforehand. And we always want to make patients better. Yeah. So we need to be, sometimes different people need to be convinced. And usually that requires marketing, but it also requires other surgeons who are sort of experts in the field. And this is really the hardest process, but it's also the process where most surgeons get involved. And so that's sort of the commercialization thing. And then the final step in this process is to continue monitoring it. Occasionally, there's an implant or something that becomes that, that's not as good for the patient or has issues, and those get pulled off the market. We've heard about those as well. And so those all those are levels of innovation. That's sort of the full napkin to sort of final process. First off, you had me at bare implant. I mean, I love it. We've been talking about it. And listen, listeners, please go back. Uh, I believe it's our sixth episode that we posted um, with the bear implant. We get into details and we talk about it because, you know, 
listen, I'm not a surgeon, but I stay at a Holiday Inn, so I pretend to be one on the radio. So it's one of those type of things. Maybe we, hey, maybe we get them as a sponsor. We'll we'll see about that. But I love the whole bear implant concept because when I started reading about it, looking into it, I had no idea and didn't realize that you didn't get blood flow in those areas, and that this bear implant, you know, pretty much was. You know, if you had, what is it, you know, for lack of a better word, the, the stub on the tibula, if there was something remaining, then you could create a blood clot and then it could fuse. And I, I don't know, I, I'm really out of my my depth right here, but just kind of understanding some of that, you know, um, procedure and knowing things that can and can't happen and how this is just revolutionizing, you know, and more importantly, going back to what I originally said is getting people to feel better quicker. Um, I'm, I'm really, I'm really excited about it. So anyway, I digress a little bit there real quick, going back to the FDA stuff. Um, is there a certain number? And I know this is a gray area, so I apologize. Is there a certain number when it comes to like trials and percentages to say, this is X amount of percentage, um, of a success rate that we feel comfortable approving it so we can move forward. Is there a barometer when it comes to innovation and, and some of these techniques that are being used? It depends on what it is. So for drugs or for other things, there's different levels of sort of like, for instance, cancer drugs, there's different levels of survivals and lower complication risks yep. for implants. It's usually biomechanical data and we can go into that in a minute. Um, so they want to know, is this as strong? And usually a lot of times it's comparison to what's currently on the market. Um, but that's usually sort of a second stage trial. But the first one is to show, you know, obviously you have the levels of FDA, right? You want to show that the that whatever you're doing, the like for instance, the bear implant yeah. is safe in general. And, and sort of usually that's animal studies. And then the next is humans. And the next is comparison. And then there's ongoing testing. So, you know, you have to have certain benchmarks. Um, and it's the problem you have is if you have a product and there's a lot of complications with it, it's very unlikely it's going to get approved unless it's a very, you know, if you give a certain, if you give someone an ACL procedure yeah. and it causes a severe number of complications, I mean, ACLs does not have very many complications. So you, in order for this implant to get approved, it had to be a very low complication rate. And especially because this implant was done in young children. So that's even a harder area to get into. And And I guess if, if it doesn't work for something like this, right, it's preservation, then if it doesn't work, then you just go into the reconstruction. So there is a, I don't know, for lack of a better word, safety net, right, when it comes to some, some kind of innovation Wait. like this? You must have stayed at a Holiday Inn because that's exactly what I discussed with my patients. <laughs> you know, there is, there is, there is, you know, obviously repairing the ACL, this ACL preservation idea is great. But if it doesn't work, yes, there's a it's fairly low risk to go back in and do another surgery. I tell patients, you know, there's obviously those infection risks and bleeding risks, which are extremely low. Yeah. But the biggest risk is mental, right? You go through the recovery of eight, nine months, and then you fail and go back and do it again. Mm. That's, that's usually that's the rough. biggest thing is just the frustration. Yeah. But patients, I would tell you the patients that most patients I ask me about this and want to do it, they're very motivated. And I very rarely will they turn the other direction. You know, they want these innovations. They're coming to you for these innovations. And as long as you feel that they're low risk, which I do, um, and you feel you can do a good job, then, you know, people, that's what we need. We need people like that that want these options. You know, some people are fine with waiting another two or three years to see even more data, but there's a lot of good data. I mean, the FDA doesn't approve something that's not a good product for the most part. I mean, we can argue about that, but overall, they're yeah. very stringent compared to a lot of other places. And, you know, we're usually the last to get products in the world 
uh, because our FDA is so aggressive. Except for this, actually, Bayer is one of the few ones that's only approved in the United States right now. So that's why we have people from out of state, out of country coming in for it. So this is not approved in like Europe or somewhere else? No, they've had a few that have flown in from Singapore. We've had we've had consultations for Canada, so wow. yes, no, not yet. Well, um, like any job, does it matter who promotes, and maybe this is rhetorical here, but who promotes what? Um, maybe that's not the best way to ask the question, but um, let's say it's a well-known surgeon, you know, saying, hey, this is, you know, something that's really beneficial. It's been successful. I really think that um, I have the clout or the name to kind of help push that through. Um, th- yeah. Is there any of that or is it really kind of cut and dry, black and white? No, it's more what you're talking about. Now, again, this is a whole other discussion. I'm not starting trouble, right? I want to make sure I don't, I'm not starting anything, right? You're not starting anything, no. Okay, I mean, okay. You see, you've seen it all over the internet. I do consulting myself. You can see on my resume and my disclosures. We always have disclosures whenever yeah. we do these talks, so you know who we work for. Um, but basically, you know, usually when you're doing consulting for someone, they found you as sort of someone that's a pinnacle leader. Mm. That you know, not only not only do you believe in the technology, but you do a good job because the last thing you want to do is have someone promoting their work that's not getting good outcomes and that's that they're having problems with. Um, and each company is different in terms of their strategy. You have companies that are, you know, there's their bigger companies and smaller companies and they all have different criteria as to what that mean, means for them. Um, yeah. But basically they choose people who they think one are going to show their products off well. So whether they're well-known, you know, team physicians for cert, for well-known surgeons, you know, lots of guys I've worked with are really high level consultants because they're some of the best in the world. And so, you know, people listen to them. And if the, if my mentor was saying this is a great product and he's used it and I believe him, yeah. you know, it's something that I'm more motivated to listen to. Um, and then also they want, they also want the layman terms and they want different, different criteria and different perspectives, right? If a patient, you know, I do some consulting because of, because different age brackets, right? You have younger surgeons that, that feel like, listen, I want to see somebody that's been out of practice, you know, recently over the last few years or yeah. five years. And how are they doing it? Because this all seems great, but if you've done this for 40 years or 30 years, how am I going to be the same as you? So there's certain, there's everything they're thinking about when they're working with someone to try to see if they can promote their product. But it's also more than just promotion. It's getting the word out there, right? You want more patients to get better from this if you believe in it. And a lot of certain, most of the surgeons, when they're you, when they're utilizing a product, they think it's better. I mean, you've seen on Instagram and LinkedIn, et cetera, they're promoting their products they're promoting their techniques. They're not getting, a lot of times they're not even getting paid for these different options. They just want to show people this is something cool and innovative and they want to push the envelope. That's why we spent all this time in medical school and training. That's why I spent all this time on podcasts and my internet and my website. I'm not getting paid for those things. I just like telling people this is all the cool options that we have people and let them see what's out there because you didn't even know about half this stuff until we started working together. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I asked the question because it just makes sense in, you know, any walk of life, you know, so, it, you know, why would it be any different? You know, we, we just kind of know how the, the world works. So it's just one of those questions. But, you know, as long as you're getting the right approval and, you know, and at the end, everyone's getting the right outcome. Um, that's what matters the most. And obviously something like we're, we're discussing is it, been extremely beneficial uh, to the customer and the patient, um, you know. I had a question here, and it was something that we had uh, talked about and emailed back, back and forth. And I just want you to ex- explain why the five ten k pathway is faster and less expensive way to gain FDA approval. 
Uh, so if you could explain a little bit of that and, yes. and what that means. So this is the pathway a lot of companies use um, because we talked about the FDA approval and you heard about, you know, for instance, the Bayer implant, how long it takes. Yeah, 10 years, you, know, you said. Full right? FDA approval. Yeah, and that's, you know, everyone's, every different thing is different, but that was sort of the timeline for this one. Yeah. Um, FDA approval takes a long time. And so what there is, is there's a 510K pathway. Um, you can watch the John Stewart show on this too, or all, John Oliver's show, because there's a different 510K he discusses, um, if you want to learn about it too, from a different perspective. Um, but overall, what it means is there are certain products. So a lot of the joint replacement products, if they come out with a new joint replacement, they use a 510K pathway. And so the, it's already been shown that that product is safe. And so it's a much faster regulatory process. Mm. You know, everything's a little bit different, but it can be, you know, less than a year type of process to get your new implant approved. Um, and then you have a lot less roadblocks. And so you can see sometimes, you know, they use the 510K pathway for the next 10 years. So it's shown, okay, this implant with this sort of coding works really well. We're going to just do a small tweak here. Then you want to use the 510 because if the FDA didn't have that option then people couldn't, then you would take you years to get new products. So that's why they have this newer process. So it's and a quicker for, way for you to showcase what you're doing, right? Well, because a lot of technology, you know, you've heard of some really disruptive technology, but a lot of technology and surgeries and procedures that we do, but basically implants, they're small tweaks, right? And so a small tweak, the last thing you want to do is wait, you know, I can do a small tweak to an implant and with the right company and the right maneuvering, it'll be a year or two and you'll be able to get a cold of that, right? As long as it passes some of this. If that was, if we had a full FDA pathway, you'd never get innovation. It would just take so long for small tweaks. And the last thing you want to do is have a implant that's just okay or 90% good. And you have to, for a hundred percent, you just have to wait another year. Like that's well worth it. So that's, that's why the 510 is really nice for the most part. And I honestly think it's a great option because hmm. it still has safety regulations, but also you don't need to get the rigorous testing, right? So the instance, there's a couple examples. So there's 3d printing, 3d printing. And a lot of things go through the three ten uh, the 510 K pathway. Yeah. So we have 3d printing, but then the next, you know, you don't have to show a 3D printing safe because you've already seen it's safe in like a hundred other products. So you'd also don't want to waste the time of the FDA or of this whole deal if you know that that setup's already safe. Does that make sense? Yeah, and it's, it's almost faster. like why start over, right? Yeah. We already know, we, we've already come out the gate. We don't need to go back in the gate. We just want to take it from where we're out already and showcase well, another path or something that's more, but not start all the way from ground zero because you've already laid that out there. Well, and on top of that, patients deserve to have these products faster and it's safe because they've already shown it and it's a small tweak. Yeah. And so I, you know, I, it's an, it's a wonderful option for companies to have this. And I think it's, it's really good for patients and it's just interesting for people to understand that this is not the same as a regular FDA pathway. Um, and most of the companies try to utilize this. Obviously your whole goal is to have a 510k because then you don't have to worry about the full length process. Hmm. You know, you talked about innovation and um, we're going to talk now about the importance of biomechanical labs. And just for, you know, people out there that are not as savvy as Dr. Garcia and other doctors listening, um, you know, when it comes to, you might have heard it at your gym, right? Biomechanics, right? When, you know, your gym instructor is telling you, well, that's a hinge, it's a plank, a, a push, a pull, a squat, a lunge. Maybe there's a rotation, a T-spine. So when we say biomechanics, mechanical or biomechanics, biomechanical labs for innovation in orthopedic implants, 
explain the role in innovation that biomechanical labs have. I so go off on a, a tangent, right? I'm going off on a tangent here. No, this is this is this is a great tangent because <laughs> this is a huge a huge role in orthopedics. Whenever I think about a new idea, and I work a lot with um, Arthrex, one of the companies I do consulting for. Uh, if I want to change a, a procedure, we're working on a new Tommy John procedure right now, and the only way that I think I want to start doing it on a patient is if I took it to the lab the exact same procedure and shown you that it's just as good as the older procedure and you compare it to the gold standard. You don't need to do thousands of specimens to show this, okay. but those biomechanics, you do the procedure and then you test it and see, you know, it's pretty simple. You test it and with, when does it break? Does it break the same or does it break at a higher level, a lower level? And you want to know those things or does it damage? Does it tear? Does the graft tear? Does the implant pull out? And those things are much better to test biomechanically than in obviously a real life patient or even an animal study. Um, and because, because you, and they're, and these are very popular labs. I mean, most of the companies have their own biomechanical labs. One of the best labs in the world is, uh, Ty Lee down in California. I had the opportunity to fly down there when I was a resident, uh, with, and through my HSS and they had set me up with it. And I had to do an entire shoulder product I was working on. Mm. And I basically spent two solid days there putting, doing all these different procedures to try to show this, this new potential product could save the shoulder or do a newer, this newer procedure. And so you do that and then they run testing on it and then they look for statistical significance. Or if you're comparing to a gold standard pro, uh, pro, um, product, then it's as good as the one that's currently out there. And if you can show that, that's good, not only in the initial process when you're trying to see if it's going to work, it's really good for the FDA to see or FDA 510K pathway. And for sort of the, the, the highest level of innovation, which means I'm just going to tweak this product a little bit. doesn't even need approval. Yeah. It shows, it shows the companies, okay, it's worth investing in it. Like if I can come up with the idea and show a company such as Arthrex, um, that my new Tommy John reconstruction is just as strong as the old one. They're going to be like, wow, this is really cool. This is 30 minutes faster procedure. It's safer. It's less bone tunnels. It's all of these things. And it's just as strong. And so and patients can get behind that too, because that's what people ask. You know, they're like, I love a lot of bone engineers that see me and they're asking about this all the time. So these biomechanical bio labs, when you go in there to do these uh, procedures, to, I'm just trying to simplify it for some of our listeners, yes. including myself. Um, once you've done these procedures, do you do they or do you or do they perform almost like a stress test on whatever you're working on and you know whether like I said whether it's you know turning it in and out and moving it side to side to see how it holds up is is there some form of quote unquote stress test that's being performed to say all right that procedure worked we moved it we tweaked it and it really held up is there something like that that is 100% what it is. That is all we do is test that. So we test every range of motion. We test cycles. So if they do like a knee implant, they'll test, they can test a knee implant like 10,000 cycles in like less than a day. You could never put that enough on your knee. Wow. And so they can do this, they can do the, and they do abnormal motion and biomechanical studies are coming out all the time. I mean, every paper that I read, I read probably four or five different journals a month. Um, and you know, we're constantly seeing biomechanical testing for different products that we use and they're always checking too. And they're saying, okay, the, the only way you innovate is saying, okay, we have this product. Here's another option. Oh, this didn't work as well. Okay. We're not going to do that. That's biomechanical testing is not good on that one. But the part we have to bring up to the listeners is that there's obviously always pitfalls to biomechanical testing too, right? There's limitations. One is controlled in the laboratory. 
So you have don't have real world conditions. You can't put an entire arm, do a surgery, put them back together and test the whole thing out. Usually they're just joints with ligaments. Um, secondly, you don't have time to heal, right? As soon as you put it in, you don't, you know, usually what I don't, I don't put a surgery in and then have you run and play baseball the next day. Yeah. Right. So we make yeah. a time, the recovery um, time. And then it's really, and it's also really hard. There's Kylie has one of the best labs in the world and he's in California. Um, and even at that, you can't always simulate real world conditions. So we have to just take as much as we can. It's just, again, it's a large piece of the puzzle to get to the top orthopedic in- innovations and to get these things approved and to, sh- to demonstrate not only, you know, patients really care about the biomechanics, but obviously it's the surgeons. You know, the number one thing I ask when I'm doing a surgery, if someone shows me a new anchor or a new product, I ask you, is this stronger than the current one I'm using? Because if it's not, I'm not interested. I want something that's better than the one I have before. It's not going to be good for my patients. You mentioned Arthrex, um, and I'll let you talk about them. I, I went on their website and, and traumatized myself a little bit because I started looking at their really, really cool videos. And I'm sitting yeah. there, and my wife is going, what are you doing? And I'm going, oh, oh. And I was looking at some uh, this nano swivel lock with the fork eyelet, and uh, they were repairing this, this yeah. dude's finger. It had it wide open and just drilling two holes in there and um, and then using, you know, their, um, you know, one of their tools. And I was like, I mean, really cool stuff. But Arthrex is no joke. I know they got a lot of, lot of equipment. They've got a lot of tools. They got a lot of um, videos. But, man, when it comes to them, you know, just talk a little bit about what they do and how important the work that they do and the equipment that they have when it comes to orthopedics and innovation. Well, I've, I work with a lot of different companies and I've seen a lot of products over my time in, as a resident fellow and now in practice. Um, you know, they're really dedicated to innovation, you know, that you've seen on their website, you know, they're every single percent procedure that they do, they have a video from a top surgeon in their high quality lab in Naples, Florida. You know, I've gone down there and done work for them too. The, and I'm a all those videos are from Florida? Yes. Wow. Okay. That's cool. I didn't know that. They have it. They have a production studio. I mean, this is like, this is a different level. I don't want to get into too much. Um, but you know, when they have a product, they have it biomechanically tested. They have a high quality video and then they have really good surgeons that do, that do teaching and try to teach about their product that they have. And once that comes, you know, but if you try something new, if I'm like, Hey, listen, let me look at this product. Let me look at how you do this or what this implant is. Usually I can find a video. And honestly, I use those for my own teaching or understanding too. Mm. You know, if I'm like, if I'm going to try something new or I'm going to use a product that I haven't yet done it in a while, I can go on there as sort of an encyclopedia. It's amazing. Um, and there's there's so many different things that they are dedicated to doing. Uh, and because they're a private company, they can do things the way they want. Uh, that's, and it, that's it, it a great moves point. things in different ways. Yeah, you've brought that that yeah. point up before in the past, the difference between, you know, private companies, private practices compared to, you know, a general hospital and, and some yeah. of the um some of the things that you're able to do because of the support that you have and that's why you're, you know, right there at the head of the curve with all the new technology. Anyway, I digress, but I wanted to throw that out there because you've mentioned that before how important it is to to have that ability um, to do those things. Well, and they also make your favorite 
they're your favorite technique, which is internal bracing. So they're the ones that- That's what they use bracing. for the finger surgery. I was watching. They put there their internal go. brace. I go. was like, I really want to try this. I was like, do I really need a degree? Because I was like, okay, I, I know how to use the drill. I looked at the video. I was like, yes. I think I could do this. I'm ready to go. But I don't know if they're, I don't know if that's going to be a problem with, uh, you know, when it comes to Surgeon General and everybody else. But anyway, it's, it looks like fun. I'm down. Well, you know what? I know now you know why I like my job so much. Oh, it's great. It, it's super cool. Um, um, continue talking about Arthrex and, and some of the other stuff, some of the products that you really like to use that's so beneficial for uh, for you besides, you know, internal bracing um, and some of the things um, that you, you like to perform when, it, when you're doing your surgeries. So, you know, the, uh, the one that's a game changer for me is the, is the anchors for your shoulder. So, you know, we used to have anchors where you tie knots and people, you know, people dislocate their shoulder. You've heard about this all the time on online or, you know, different, different uh, patients or different uh, players that injure themselves. We used to do these anchors that had, had plastic in them or turn into bone, which are all good. Um, but inside the shoulder, it's so small. Uh, they have these newer anchors that are sort of knotless and the anchor is actually just suture. And what's really cool is it actually locks into itself. So you don't have to, you no longer have to tie knots and have these big bulky things. And, and honestly, in my practice, I've, I've actually done some talks for Arthrex on this. Um, I've noticed my patients getting back significantly faster. I'm talking about double the time because I can do these lower profile procedures. Um, and it's been a game changer for my practice. I mean, I sometimes will use six of these in someone's shoulder uh, to get them back to things. And they're so small. Imagine 1.7 millimeters. That's how small they and are. You're talking and you're talking about the sutures? And the person. But, well, the anchor is the suture. It's all, there's you. no plastic. You should look, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. Amazing. So, so the, su- so, the suture so goes through the anchor, right? So when you put the anchor yes. in, the suture is through there, right? And then, um, and then I guess it's almost like sewing, right? Then you pull through the tissue. Does that make sense? Well, you put, you attach it to the tissue and then it actually locks into itself like a trap. Like a, I can't, I don't want to say a yeah. Chinese trap that's not really appropriate, but yeah, you yeah. know those traps. I'm yeah, yeah. About. Yeah, like the little finger trap. Finger traps, correct. No, oh, that, that is just uh, that's cool. It was funny. I, I was uh, I was reading up on it, and they call it the the Swiss Army knife. <laughs> The swivel, the swivel lock. <laughs> they were like, it is a Swiss Army knife of the anchors. I was like, oh, you guys, you guys are all out of control it, right now. It actually is. I mean, just for instance, today I had one patient that I used four of them on. You know, it is a very useful product that we use frequently in different things. And there is, there are numbers of sizes and colors. You name it. They've done a very good job with every level of thing. They have their own engineers. They have their own video equipment. They have their own consultants. They have their own meetings. They have their own courses. It's the 800-pound gorilla in sports medicine, um, and they are very innovative. And it's been, and honestly, it's been great working with them because I've been able to be cutting edge. I mean, a lot of the things that we talk about are Arthrex. You know, they did that ACL repair that I was talking about. They came up with a new product. Yeah. Um, that was uh, Arthrex, um, the newer one that I'm doing to repair ACLs and get patients back faster. You've seen some of the videos of people at three months doing crazy things. Yeah, uh, that's the Arthrex product. So you know, there's there are a lot of innovative things, and if you and if you want to be innovative and work with them, you can see some really interesting things. So yes, it's been it's wonderful, and it's just good to have different examples of companies um, that are working on innovation. And you know, there's there are a lot more companies too. I mean, I work with a new clips company. 
um, that's really innovative in kind of realignment procedures. Yeah. And so there's different there's different levels of companies, and each company has innovation, and all these companies are trying to stay ahead. They're all trying to find the right doctors to work with, the right biomechanical labs. Um, but you know, Arthrex does a very good job. They have an extremely efficient system made there, and a lot of it is due to Reinhold, who's the um, CEO and owner and founder of it. Um, I've met him. He's a he's a very impressive uh, human being. So. I feel like we could keep doing this. Um, I'm going to ask you two questions yeah. before we wrap it up. Unless there's something that I missed that you want to add, is there anything that you can think of that you want to add when it comes to this topic? I think we've talked a lot. I think, I think if the viewers have any questions or want a new segment to talk about these in detail, let us know. You can find it on my website. You can find it on uh, Sports Doc talk podcast you can message us and we're happy to answer questions about this because this may bring a lot of questions up because people are interested this is behind the scenes interesting stuff that we don't ever need to really talk about real quick grantgarciamd.com uh you can email us at uh, sportsdoctalkpodcast at gmail.com so please uh any questions Email us or reach out to Dr. Garcia on his website. If you have any ideas and thoughts about future shows, please do the same. Um, before we wrap it up, anything that's on the cusp that you think maybe two, three, two, three years from now we may see that's kind of like bouncing around, people are kind of, there's murmurs about it and you're just kind of waiting for approval. Is there anything out there that we may see in the next couple of years? replacement parts so scaffolds we talked about this before so instead of having to use when i replace someone's meniscus or when i replace someone's cartilage i'm using cartilage from somebody else or meniscus from another person um synthetic ones yeah they're starting to do those in the cartilage of the knee and that's coming mainstream we talked about acl it's such a hot topic but more better acl healing uh, better healing for rotator cuff repairs because that's a whole other topic we could go into. Really augment everything. Something's augmented with biologics. Can we use stem cells, PRP, to get them healing faster? We're, we're getting there, yeah. but two to three years, I think you're going to have a lot more innovation. And you're going to be seeing, you know, that we've opened a Pandora's box with the bear and the ACL repair, and you're going to see it. this is just going to continue on that way. It's amazing. Um, is there anything in... in- you know, you probably already answered it, but is there anything that is not on the horizon, but you would love to see in the future, your idea, something to say, hey, if we had something like this, this would be a game changer. Because I know you mentioned a lot of things um, when it came to what you expect and you think that might be on the horizon soon, but is there anything that's really out of the box that's saying that would be a big leap and change everything? I think better ways to delay arthritis i think finding ways not just preventative like that's, the that's awesome in the cartilage yep. but just more injections more biologics different things different therapies that don't require opioids and things like that that would be able to get people to save them longer you know i don't want to be ever seen a patient with a 50 year old getting a knee replacement 60 70 different animal probably probably last year placement you have to have but in these these 40 and 50 and 60 year olds it's tough and i wish we could find a way to delay that love it that's that's an that's a great answer because you, you don't even think about it but it it hampers so many people um so that's a that's a great answer dr garcia i i really appreciate your time uh thanks for uh 
spending time with us and doing the show and really educating us and educating myself. And anytime that you want to use a first grade reference, that's right up my alley. I truly understand what's going on. (laughs) Well, now that you've faded a holiday in, you're going to be set. I'm going to be set, man. Will Sanchez, Dr. Grant Garcia, thank you for listening to Sports Doc Talk. Check us out. Spotify, Apple, YouTube, Instagram. We're on Amazon Podcast. We're going to be on Odyssey. We're on iHeart. Email us. You name it. We're just kind of keeping it going. And as more technology comes out, we have more things to talk about. Uh, listen for us. We'll have another show out coming in, coming out in a couple weeks. I definitely, we talked about it before we started this show. I'd love to get into a little bit of a baseball and talk about some of the, the big changes in baseball and how that will affect the players on a physical standpoint and recovery and what are these uh, athletic trainers are going to be dealing with in this new season. So it'll be, uh, it'll be really great. So I really appreciate uh, your time, Dr. Garcia. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, and I'm so excited for this podcast. It's been a great, a great uh, update, and I'm really looking forward to addressing this very controversial and topic that you're interested in baseball next time. So stay tuned, guys. Subscribe to us. You'll see some blasts for this, and hopefully you can follow us for this podcast in the next one. That's Dr. Garcia, our orthopedic specialist. Thank you for listening. Take care.